This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 103.7 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Thank you very much for listening in to yet another edition. And this week is going to be a little bit different than some of the other ones. Last week's was very much about the news. Now, mind you, I think we'll definitely talk a lot about the news in the sense of, oh, hey, like COVID-19 tests came out and a lot of them were positive. A lot of superstars, Renee Young, possibly had her worst week of all time, John Moxley, Tested negative. What does that mean for Fighter Fest coming up this coming Wednesday? There's a lot of different questions concerning what the future holds for a lot of these guys. A lot of these top stars and just the WWE in general, they had to wind up having an emergency change of plans all the way around with SmackDown last night. I still haven't watched it in full, but I've been able to kind of keep tabs on everything that went on during the show. But I want to start off with a bit of an addendum to something that we did last week. We spent a good chunk of the show talking about the speaking out movement. I think there's still plenty of time to have that conversation, to continue that conversation, if you will. But I just want to start and largely bring this up because of something that happened not long after we recorded the podcast and put it out through 1037thegame.com. And what it is is the fact that you had... Mike Quackenbush be accused of a lot of like incredibly horrible things. And in case you missed it, Mike Quackenbush was the first ever guest on the Cajun Strong Style podcast. I was absolutely amazed and floored by the fact he got in touch with me right away. He got back to me that night, and we talked about it, and we got him on, and we taped it the next day, and it was probably one of my favorite interviews that I've done in a good while. That being said, the accusations... And he owned up to a lot of this. He put out a 13-minute video on Saturday, which is when I'm recording this, by the way. The sheer fact that he came out, put out a statement concerning these allegations and these accusations, and mentioned the fact that he's taking full ownership of a lot of it. And he seemed heartfelt, and he wore his heart on his sleeve a lot more than maybe some had seen him before. And that's the first step towards the healing process. And I know the healing process is going to be something that probably goes on for a long, long time, especially if you're someone like a Mike Quackenbush who is probably going to be dealing with so much hell for years to come. And I wish him nothing but the best to try and get back on the right path. It's going to be a long road, but I think he's going to wind up doing so because he seemed genuine in what he said. And I was weighing this idea heavily. When I started seeing the allegations, I believe this was not long after we finished recording the podcast on Monday, and the allegations started to come out like crazy, and I was frustrated because I'm like, what just happened? Like, this is the one and only guest I've had. Now I've got to basically come up, come to the decision to either remove the podcast or leave it as is. And I basically sat there for about 24 to 48 hours seeing that, weighing the options, and I said, hey, I'm going to keep it up. Because I think it's a great interview. And it's not necessarily about the wrestler Mike Quackenbush. It's not about the person Mike Quackenbush. It was more about Chikara, the promotion that he ran, that he ran, was the founder of. And now it's gone. 
Action Arcade Wrestling has pulled out of, has removed Chikara from the naming of this. And I know they're going to come out with a video game down the road. I'm looking forward to that. But that's, it, it's such a black eye on the pro wrestling industry and the fact such a great promotion came to an end due to this is disheartening to say the least. But I feel like I made the right decision to keep it up there because it was more about Chikara, cinematic wrestling, and everything in between. It was, it was a fun interview, and hopefully we can move on from that. That's that's my piece on that. I mentioned a lot in depth on the podcast last Monday about how, you know, no one person, be it man, woman, child, should ever have to deal with what happened to these people. And this is just, not just what happened with Mike Quackenbush, but Joey Ryan, Trent Seven, allegedly, El Aguero, allegedly, you know, David Starr. All these people that have gotten accused, nobody should have to go through the pain that the victims did suffer. That's the biggest thing for me is I think that every, what I've heard, you know, again, no, like, true saying, hey, this is actually the real deal. This is actually a true thing. That This is all, like, we know outright it happened. We don't know outright because we don't have the evidence. They haven't been tried in a trial, innocent until, pro- innocent until proven guilty. But, again, you got to know there's just a lot of frustration amongst the victims, or in this case survivors, of this kind of stuff, sexual assault. All the, the allegations are real. But at the same time, you know that there's always, you know, a situation where it's innocent until proven guilty. And hopefully we can see justice served for a lot of these people, like a David Starr, especially people like Joey Ryan and Michael Elgin. And they should never be allowed in the wrestling industry again. That's where I'm going to leave that conversation. I'm going to leave that conversation right there. Because I don't want to get to a lot of other things. And one of the the big things for me is the fact that pro wrestling is being hit with another scandal of sorts. And it's all about what's going on with COVID-19, especially in the state of Florida. The state of Florida has over 9,000 cases as of Saturday. Again, we're taping this on Saturday for a reason. And I mentioned the fact that, you know, Renee Young has probably had her worst week ever. She just had her WWE backstage show canceled. And then she finds out she has COVID-19, like, all in the same day. And she took a break off of Twitter. I don't blame her at all. I'd probably just stay off Twitter for a long-ass time if I didn't work in the media business and have to manage, you know, a Cajun Strong Style podcast Twitter feed, which you can follow at Cajun Strong Style, at C-A-J-N Strong Style, all one word, or my own account, or Under the Dome with CD, which you can hear Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. to noon, or even the 1037 The Game Station Twitter account. Run a lot of counts. If I didn't, if I didn't do that, then I guarantee you I'd probably be as little of a Twitter person as possible. Whenever I'm not necessarily having to be here at work and focusing in on the biggest sports stories or the biggest pro wrestling stories. That's full disclosure, right there, people. I would not be on Facebook or Twitter like as much as I am if I didn't have to manage multiple station pages and a lot of other different stuff. But that's a different conversation. For me, I think the fact that we saw not just, you know, 
what happened with Renee Young. Caleb Braxton got COVID twice, which kind of disproves the theory that you can't get it again. And then more importantly, you had people like Jamie Noble, a producer who had to have a lung transplant. I want to find that out. didn't even realize that Jamie Noble, a producer, former Ring of Honor champion, former WWE superstar, Jamie Noble, contracted COVID. And honestly, that's just, that's just upsetting. And it's all because of one guy and one guy only, Kevin Dunn and his stupid buck teeth. I'm not going to go full-blown Jim Cornette and call him a Bucky Beaver. All these damn, the damn teeth, all the Bucky Beaver mother. No, I'm not going to do that because that's just Jim Cornette's gimmick. I'm not going to take his stuff from him. But Bucktooth Billy here, or Bucktooth Kevin, Kevin Dunn says, oh, hey, you know, they shouldn't, they, they shouldn't wear a mask. Well, they should be wearing a damn mask if they're out there in the crowd. Now they are since they they since wore masks. He's, they uh, they had taping last night for SmackDown, and they had the WWE superstar Shotzi Blackheart had a picture of her wearing a mask. It was a SmackDown mask, really cool by the way. But the fact that it took this long for people to be wearing masks after you had your first COVID positive test is unacceptable. I'm just gonna say it right now. Kevin Dunn is a jackass and should be taken off of. The WWE production crew. But he never will. Because apparently his dad or whatever saved the WWE tape library back in the day. That's fine. But he should not have the opinion to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and have you be a WWE superstar or a member of the crowd and not wear a mask when we're trying to stop the spread of COVID-19 in one of the biggest hotspots in the entire damn country. Kevin Dunn, you damn idiot. You've proven yourself again to be an absolute fool. And you need to realize that your boss doesn't like people sneezing around him, let alone having a a disease that could very well kill him. You're a damn fool. I'm out here telling you right now, you're a damn fool, Kevin Dunn. I ever met you, I'd probably knock those buck teeth out of your damn mouth. But that's 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 beyond the point there. And now they're starting to run tests. Whatever they could have been running tests from Jump Street. Which is another situation that's really pissing me off, and I really want to get mad at Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who, by the way, in case you forgot, he basically got bought to make WWE an essential business because of a $200 million super PAC that was funded by Linda frickin' McMahon, who is part of Trump's re-election campaign. This isn't a political thing. This is straight-up facts. Ron DeSantis is an ass. And bottom line, I am tired of seeing people's lives in danger. You know, you've got a 70-year-old billionaire out there. He's probably wearing a mask. Kevin Dunn says, oh, hey, these guys can't wear a mask in the crowd. Who who made you the czar of wearing masks? Oh, if you don't believe the masks are doing any good, I really just want to punch you in your buck teeth and just make sure you know that you need to wear a mask. Because if you were wearing a mask, I'd probably, you'd probably still have those buck teeth, you dumb son of a, you know what? I really want to curse right now, but I'm not going to. At least not curse like a sailor on this show. I'll say some, but I'm I'm not gonna try. I'm gonna try and censor myself here. But Kevin Dunn is a jerk. Vince McMahon is a sleazeball. I think we already knew that. And we're just sitting here, you know, looking at what they did. Meanwhile, AEW is crushing it. AEW is not get out of the park. And this isn't me being an AEW fanboy. They're doing the right thing. This happened on Wednesday. You had 
QT Marshall come into contact with somebody who had COVID. QT Marshall, they decided to tell him, hey, stay home. You know, he didn't have it, or at least as far as we could tell. But the fact that he had come in contact with somebody who had COVID, that tells me a lot. And it tells me that, you know, AEW is doing the right thing by telling him, hey, stay home. We're going to change the card up a little bit, and we'll work with it. Same thing with Mox. John Moxley, whose wife, Renee Young, contracted COVID. John Moxley's test came out negative, but they're telling him to kind of presumably stay at home. They're going to be taping both nights of Fighter Fest right before the 4th of July weekend. In fact, they're going to be taping that episode of Dynamite the second week. On July the thir- July the second, it's gonna be a Thursday. So there's a lot of different things that can happen between now and Thursday. He's booked for the main event of Fighter Fest, the second annual, to face Brian Cage for the AEW title. What happens there? I don't know, but I'm interested to see how that storyline is going to go, how that angle is going to work. But again, COVID nineteen has thrown a wrench into a lot of different things, and honestly, part of it is the fact that you know. WWE, in their infinite wisdom, decided, oh, hey, we're just going to go ahead and carry on as normal. We're going to have eight-man tag matches in the middle of a pandemic when you had multiple superstars test positive, multiple staff members, producers, just people in general test positive for COVID. You've allowed – you want – and here's something I kind of noticed. I, I was browsing through the interwebs, and I saw this, and it blew my freaking mind. I can't believe it did because, honestly, it further proves he's more of a jackass – than like I can imagine. And it's from Vince McMahon. This is from the place that everybody loves to look at with rack sheets, and that is the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. This is from Dave Meltzer, of course, FDM to some people. But, you know, for me, I think there's some legitimacy to this. I would not be surprised. So this is from the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter. WWE had planned to start taping with crowds in Florida. They had contacted the company for local people for a Friday and Monday in late July, June 24th and 27th, where the day's being bantied about for the live television shoots at the RP Funding Center in Lakeland, Florida, which seats 8,000. The plan was to allow fans but to have social distancing, so limiting crowds to a percentage of capacity. Last word is that may be pushed to August, but the July dates were originally set to be announced this coming week because Vince McMahon was determined to be the first person to run a live indoor sports event with a crowd. That is amazing, and it's sad. It is sad that Vince McMahon was insistent and determined to be the first person to run a live event, live indoor sports event with a crowd. I I don't understand that at all and why that was even an idea, why that was even a thought in Vince McMahon's mind. I get it. You know, he wants to do this, you know, whatever, but you're an idiot. You are a damn fool if you think that's going to be a good idea, even if there's social distancing. Right now, Florida is probably one of the biggest hotspots of all. 9,000 cases of COVID-19. Lafayette Parish here in the heart of Cajun country, not exactly the best in the world either. But at the end of the day, COVID-19 really dominating the headlines both in the ring and out of the ring. And that's really what is kind of burning my beans this week. A lot more than what maybe what, I was, what my beans were burning about last week involving the speaking out movement.
But for once, I'm actually going to talk about what was going on in the 20 by 20 squared circle this week. But I'm going to focus more on what's going to be happening, going what happened on more Dynamite, and look ahead to this week. Because it's going to be a really fun, the fact that they're making Fighter Fest two nights, and it's going to be really cool because of the fact that there's so much going on. All the AEW titles are going to be on the line. Night one, you're going to have three of the four titles they have right now. And I have to say, there's not a dud in the in the bunch when it comes to night one. Night two is going to be a lot more fun, but I think night one is something you need to keep an eye on with Private Party going to be taking on Pride and Powerful Santana and Ortiz. That is going to be one hell of a tag team match. Matt Hardy, whatever version that he wants to be, that's going to be a lot of fun. Just that in and of itself. I think that's going to be a strong opener, and I want, I want to see Private Party come away with the win because they have so much potential, and they seem like the team of the future to really kind of drive this division with guys like the Young Bucks. I feel like they have a chance to really escalate themselves, and by the way, the Young Bucks are going to be on night two's show. But then you also have a really fun tag team match, continuing the angle of MGF and Jurassic Express, more specifically Jungle Boy. We, just, we saw those two face off. At double or nothing, now it's a tag team match. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus taking on MJF and Wardlow. And after that battle roll, that almost lumberjack match to turn into a full-blown Pier 6 brawl, I think this is going to be a hell of a great uh, matchup. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of like that buffer between, you know, the main event, whatever that's going to be. And, you know, I'd say, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think the Cody-Jake Hager match, is your main event of Dynamite this Wednesday because it just feels like there's a lot more heat to it. When it comes to Kenny Omega and Adam Page, best friends, this is probably going to be your third match on the card, not because of the fact they want to throw any shade towards AEW's tag team titles. There's just not enough juice to it. Even the Hikaru Shida, Penelope Ford has a lot of juice to it. I think there's a chance that this is going to be a big match for the AEW fans. This would be a great card. Just five matches, and each of them has like a lot of weight to it. That was a lot of the big criticisms I saw on the interwebs talking about when the ratings came out, and AEW was just a little bit ahead of what they'd wound up doing over in the WWE with NXT, which had a really great show. I absolutely loved the way that show was paced. A lot of like enhancement matches, really quick stuff, but it was all building towards the triple threat North American title match, which had a lot of like overarching storylines you didn't realize you had. The way they had the Finn Balor Johnny Gargano feud that was they were bringing elements of that back. Keith Lee getting ready for now going to be the number one contender for the NXT title in a winner take all match in two weeks time. That's going to probably butt up against the main event of Fighter Fest with John Moxley hopefully taking on Brian Cage because we don't know what. John Moxley's status is at this point in time. And it we're actually taking the second half of this on Monday, right before Monday Night Raw, largely because of the fact that, you know, I was like, I needed to kind of catch up on a lot of different things like NXT and to see if there was any updated status. And this has come from Sports Kita. He tested negative for COVID-19. This came after Moxley's wife, Renee Young, tested positive for COVID-19. And he isolated himself until the pay-per-view and I believe they're going to be taping this on the Thursday, July 2nd, the day after night one will be complete like they've done in the past because I think that's an absolutely perfect kind of setup if you're talking about the WWE. And I think that's the big thing we all need to realize is that's going to be an inevitability where we see guys test positive for COVID-19 
and you just wonder how you're going to wind up doing this. And, you know, the decision was made that they will tape the match in an empty arena on a later date and add it to Fighter Fest the day it is aired. So they're going to tape this probably closer to showtime so they can get it in and John Moxley can move on and be with his wife because his wife still isn't necessarily feeling 100%. I believe there's she, may, she said there was going to be some big news coming on Wednesday. So who knows what that's going to be about. Hopefully Talking Smack comes back. At least that's what I hope it is. Some big fat news she mentioned. Hopefully it's that and that alone. Because I can't take much more bad news. We don't need Stu Bennett, a.k.a. Wade Barrett, or formerly known as Wade Barrett, coming out and, bra- and breaking all of our hearts with even more bad news in the midst of a world that's just been kind of like torn apart over the last several months. But hopefully you've been enjoying what WWE, AEW, NXT, even Impact. Impact Wrestling is still doing some great content and you know getting rid of a lot of negativity heading into their biggest show, Slammiversary. I'm interested definitely to see how that's going to look. They announced a gauntlet match for the knockouts championship and i gotta say i'm intrigued by that one a lot i love how you got uh, ty valkyrie kind of saying hey this is going to be my match i'm going to be taking over this one and for the record the knockouts gauntlet battle royal it's going to feature rosemary you've got sue young kiara hogan ty valkyrie you've got him uh alicia you've got kylie ray kimberly jessica havoc you've even got nevea i'm going to probably mispronounce that but she's one hell of a wrestler, so you need to look forward to seeing like Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary coming up on July 18th to a certain extent. I think there's a lot of other promotions doing some great things. New Japan, you know, I haven't paid as much attention to New Japan as I'd like, but I'm looking forward to seeing how they do New Japan Cup because we're getting closer. We are getting ever so closer to the semifinals. I know July 3rd, New Japan is going to be doing a, it's gonna be a free show on NewJapanWorld.com, so I cannot wait to see how the semifinals and finals turn out for the New New Japan Pro Wrestling because they've handled things the right way for the most part when it comes to the COVID-19 response. They have just straight up said, hey, we're going to go ahead and do this show. We're going to do it live, but between every match, it's going to be about a 10-minute gap where we're basically replacing the mats, cleaning the ring, making sure that stuff is ready to go, and I love that. So hopefully you are enjoying what's going on with the biggest promotion right now to be able to put on live shows consistently and doing it the right way. And, of course, we're t- we're not talking about AEW. We're talking about the New Japan Pro Wrestling in the middle of the New Japan Cup and their return to action. No, I think eventually they're going to allow fans in the stands. Probably going to be around Dominion, which is going to be coming up in the middle of July. So make sure you keep your tabs on that. But I got to say, SmackDown was kind of a pass. I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch the whole thing because I just wasn't that interested. The fact you had King Corbin involved in anything kind of turns me off for a bit. But I was just sitting there, and I saw the fact they were going to do largely a tribute to The Undertaker. I basically checked out for that show. I fast-forwarded through a bunch of stuff, but I just wasn't like nearly as hyped up to tune in to watch an episode of SmackDown as I was, say, pre-COVID. It just wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, and hopefully we don't continue to see those kind of weeks where they pay tribute to The Undertaker or anybody else who decides to hang it up. 
And that's going to do it for the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hope you leave a nice review for us. Five stars. If you're in the Tokyo Dome right now, I'd give you a lot of credit for being there, but also give us six stars if you're out there in the Tokyo Dome. More importantly, subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Play Podcast. Just search 103.7 The Game. You'll be able to get that, along with all the other great content that we got, like the Louis Prejean Podcast, the Rap Game Podcast, all of our regular shows. We got so many different things that you can listen to, and we'll talk to you next time.